Welcome to another episode of the More Than A Game podcast. I'm your host, Dan Walls, and I'm so glad you could join us once again for another episode of this podcast, whether you're listening to us or watching to watching us on YouTube. Thank you for your support. Thank you for watching and listening. Well, this podcast is all about Australian basketball, and we're diving into the history and the story of Australian basketball, but also seeking to unearth key truths and life lessons through the stories that our guests share about their life story and their life journey as well. And today on the podcast, I'm joined by Sydney Kings star DJ Vasilovic. Uh, DJ's already done so much in the sport. Uh, he's a product of the Australian Institute of Sport, and he's already represented the green and gold at a number of FIBA events in the junior ranks. Uh, he spent four years at the University of Miami, where he's averaged 13.2 points uh, 4.2 rebounds per game and actually set the record uh, for the most three-pointers made by a freshman at the University of Miami. He was a member of the 2017 Emerging Boomers side which attended the universe, World University Games who went on to win the bronze medal and he's had such a great career so far. There's so much more to come for uh, DJ so it's a pleasure to have him on the podcast here today. Uh, DJ Vasilovic, welcome to the More Than A Game podcast. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's great to see you, mate. And great to see you doing so well with the Kings up until your recent injury. Can you just let uh, people know where you're up to? You uh, ruptured your Achilles playing against the Perth Wildcats recently. How's how's it healing up? Um, yeah, uh, ruptured my Achilles. Uh, kind of came a shock to me, but, you know, that's kind of the consequence you get of playing, you know, sport. Injuries can happen at any stage. But, you know, I had surgery the following day on the Friday was in a cast for 10 days and just got into the boot on Monday. So I'm healing quicker than expected and uh, hopefully in about four or five weeks I'll be able to walk again. Yeah, well, hopefully, mate, fingers crossed that it all goes goes well for you. Obviously, uh, we're seen on the sidelines with the beanie on and then cheering on the team. Um, it's been awesome to see, mate. Just goes to show, that I guess, the closeness of the team that you're still there on the sidelines um, supporting the guys and helping out where you can. I, can, I saw you filling up a water bottle for your coach Adam Ford the other day too. So must be hard though, sitting there and watching the guys play. Yeah, I mean, anytime you kind of get injured when the game's still going, you get kind of mad and wish you were out there. But anything I can do, you know, train my teammates on the sideline or as you said, you know, filling up Ford's drink bottle or just giving some advice to the younger guys or, you know, because, I mean, I, I see it differently uh, watching on the sideline from them playing. So just giving mm -hmm. some sort of my input. We'll come back to the Kings in just a second, but I'm keen to hear a bit, bit about your story, mate, your background, your upbringing. I didn't realise this, but you're actually born in Canada and uh, son to a Serbian father. Your dad was born in Serbia, so a lot of uh, cultural background there. But can you tell us a bit about your upbringing? Um, what was life like growing up in Canada and when did you move to Australia? Uh, so, yeah, I was born in Calgary, Canada. Um, moved to Australia at the age of six. Don't really remember too much about Canada. Um, the only thing is it's really cold and um, <laughs> always cold, really. So, no, but we had a lot of good family friends over there. Um, obviously, my parents fled the war from former Yugoslavia to Canada to get away from it. And then yeah. in 20, uh, 2003, we decided to move to Australia and kind of just begin our new life here. And we've done really well and we're all healthy. So um, that's the main important thing. Absolutely, mates. Well, let's um, yeah touch on the basketball career. Where did you? When did you start playing? At what age? And and what evoked that passion uh, for the game of basketball for you? Um, what evoked it was my sister. Um, 
Ivana, she picked up a basketball really young at the age of six uh, when she went to school and kind of just started playing from there. I was kind of Mexican matching kind of sports, obviously playing a bit of cricket, a bit of tennis, a bit of AFL, and then obviously I ended up picking up soccer for a year to see how that was going, but it didn't pan out for me, so I thought I'd give it a basketball crack. And when I moved to my sister's school with one of my best friends, we were like, you know, why not give basketball going? and try and just play for the school? And, you know, we played domestically and just kind of kicked off there. I think I was about 11 or 12 years old when I did that. Yeah, so late bloomer. It's pretty, pretty late to pick up the ball, but um, obviously loved the game. Uh, at what point did you think, oh, I can make a career out of this? Or at what point did you think things are starting to happen for me? Um, I think just through domestic, uh, my dad realised that I kind of got a, a natural shot. Um, you know, the way I shoot the basketball, I got a natural feel for the game and kind of tried out for a rep team at Werribee Devils and didn't make any of that squads. Um, then I decided to kind of go to the Melbourne Tigers and made the 14 fives there. And I didn't really, you know, I was still playing it for fun. And, you know, I didn't want to really do anything with it. But then I was bottom age 16, got cut from the second side and kind of contemplated whether the sport was for me or not. Mm. Um, I was doubted a lot. And I was kind of upset. Dad was like, hey, let's kind of keep going. And then we met Nick Abdichich, who's the director of coaching at the Tigers now. And he mm. kind of said, look, come to my training sessions. There's potentially in you. We see it. We'll work with your dad and, and uh, we'll just go from there. And I think that's where I really said, oh, look, let's give this basketball thing a shot. And I kind of never looked back from there. So kind of full credit to Nick, but also my dad. Yeah, that's awesome enough. I find in all the guests that I've spoken to and um, those who've been in the sport, particularly played the game, there's always a story where they've been, I guess, cut from a team or um, haven't made a team and they've had to overcome that adversity. Um, obviously, resilience is a big part of the sport. You're probably experiencing that right now with your injuries. So uh, what have you learned about uh, resilience and the importance, I guess, of overcoming those um, obstacles when they're put in your way? And what have you learned from those times where you've had to push through and, and just keep going? Um, I think I learned it three years ago when I uh, had a stress fracture in my left foot during college. Uh, it was during the NCAA game against Loyola Chicago. Kind of did the same thing. Wanted to change direction. Kind of had a little a little pop in my navicular mm -hmm. bone and sat out three months non-weight bearing because I went the non-surgical way and kind of just had to be patient with myself. And mm -hmm. the thing that made it kind of easy, there was no basketball going on because we just finished our last last game for the season and we had like six or seven months before we'd start playing again so kind of helped me but you know going to team trainings and watching your team you know train you just want to be out there so just staying patient to myself kind of learning more about myself taking care of my body you know nutrition wise so um, that's the one thing I'm definitely going to take advantage of this time make sure I kind of stay around the same weight range maybe one or two kilos up just because I can't physically walk or run so I'm um, just trying my best on that part yeah for sure I guess within that, there's a lot of discipline that needs to take place, which you've spoken about. Um, how hard is it to be disciplined like that and just, you know, try and eat the right things, um, to stay in shape, particularly when you're injured? Yeah, I mean, it is very hard because it's easy <laughs> just to walk over to, to the pantry and kind of grab some chips or some snacks. And But, like, I'm lucky enough to have my dad who's kind of been around food. He's, he's a uh, professor, researcher, scientist around food. So yeah. he's kind of helped me and kind of, taking into my nutrition like there, there'll be times where i'm starving but you know i plan out my meals throughout the day so i know when i have that meal i'll be all right so and then just drinking plenty of water so having him around has helped a lot yeah no doubt well it just seems like you've got good people around you and 
and supporting you evidently. So you mentioned college there. Let's um, talk a little bit about that. You played with the University of Miami, um, which isn't probably a college that um, many have heard of, but um, sounds like a good program, great system. Uh, how did that influence your game, being a part of that program, and how did it basically come about to play for the University of Miami? Um, I think college, I never thought about going to college until I was about year 11. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of people don't understand basketball isn't like a forever thing. So, mm. you know, you can get hurt and kind of one injury can kind of change your career dramatically. And I mean, I'm learning that now with this Achilles injury. So mm. just, you know, someone might do their ACL for a third or fourth time and not be able to play again. And they're very young. So for me, it was all about having something to lean back on. And obviously I got a bachelor's degree and a master's degree from the mm. university of Miami. And awesome. I mean, probably the best decision that I've had on, that regard and uh yeah it was just i just felt miami was the right fit for me just because it was a guard heavy system um they had a lot of great recruits like bruce brown who still talks to me to this day um you know asked about the nbl we talk about the nba kind of give each other tips so he's definitely a close you know brother of mine that i've kind of formed that relationship with we've had Lonnie walker come in dewan hernandez you know, davon reed we've had a lot of guys who have been in the nba and kind of just went with that of the guard heavy system yeah well, in, in your time there, I remember one of the guys I played with, Nate Tomlinson, played for the University of Colorado. He's just finished up coaching there. But you got to play against some incredible players um, over there. What were some of the, the top players that you played against? Is there any in playing in the NBA at present? Or? Um, obviously, Bruce Brown is definitely one of them. But uh, probably, you know, Jason Tatum at Duke. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple guys, Justin Jackson from UNC. Obviously, Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome and DeAndre Hunter from the uh, University of Virginia. So, you know, our uh, Jerome Robinson, who went to Boston College. So we've had, a, you know, many guys come through that system, I mean, through that conference, who are now in the NBA and doing really well for themselves. Yeah, that's amazing. And I guess to, for those who probably don't follow the college system as, I probably don't follow it as much as I used to, but uh, you can definitely see the difference between, I guess, um, the NBL in Australia, other professional leagues around the world and the college setup. Um, obviously the NBA, you hear a lot of it being one out and I guess the NBL is very structured in the way they play and the offences and that sort of thing compared to the NBA. Um, but what's the college system like? Is it a bit of one out stuff or is it pretty structured like the NBL? Or? Uh, I'd say it's more like the NBA. They all try to kind of manipulate the NBA system and play their style of the game. So, you know, we play about 35 to 36 games in the college uh, system, you know, where the NBA is 82 and the NBL is just under 30, but it's definitely a way more structured system over here. Yeah. So what are the differences you found between the two, playing college and then taking that league? Oh, I, just, I think just the playing against guys who are much quicker and much more athletic than you in, in college, and that's where you kind of got to beat them mentally and kind of watch a lot of film and scout on, on your opponent just because a lot of them, if you take away their strengths, um, it's easy to counter on their weaknesses, so they don't really have another go-to strength, so... Um, that's kind of what helped me throughout my college years. Absolutely. So you had a great time in, uh, at the University of Miami. Um, as I said, you set the record for the most threes in your first year. Is that right? Yeah. Pretty awesome stuff. And, but as I looked at your game, when you were recruited by the Kings, I saw a bit of the footage of you playing. And um, you obviously a killer shooter. That's been evident in your time with the Kings. But what I was surprised by is um, your strength and your ability to get to the basket and, and make some shots for yourself that aren't just... Like you're more than just a pure shooter is what I'm trying to say. So 
um, how much have you been working on that aspect of your game and, and who's been influential in helping you, um, yeah, I guess, grow in those skills? Yeah, obviously, you know, being a pure shooter, being notified as a pure shooter, kind of just watching Drajan Petrovic grow up and, you know, the way he shot the ball and scored was kind of what I mentored myself around. But mm. I think, you know, in college I took a step back regarding my offensive. I was kind of just parked in the corner at times and just known as a spot-up shooter. And kind of that's why I kind of signed with the Kings. Um, there's also other reasons regarding COVID and stuff like that. But mm. with, with Coach Ford, he just gave me the license to just be me and he coached me at the university games, knew what I, what I was capable of. And I think I've shown enough in the NBA that I'm more just than a pure shooter. So mm. I watch a lot of clips on CJ McCollum and the way he just creates his shot because he's on the size about my height too, playing that two-guard spot. So just being able to work on my craft every day and kind of just creating my own shot and kind of being able to make the big shots in the right place. Hmm. Yeah, it's awesome, mate. Um, for me, definitely rookie of the year uh, status. I reckon you're, you're right up there from my point of view. But um, you mentioned Pekovic there. And um, was he an idol of yours growing up or someone you looked up to? Or who were the ones that you looked up to um, as a young kid? Yeah, Draja Petrovic, obviously, he died at a very young age in a car accident. So he wasn't really able to showcase, you know, but everyone knew he was on the way to be a Hall of, a Hall of Fame type shooter. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, I think he could have been a better shooter than Steph Curry if he kept playing. So yeah. a lot of people don't realise that. So definitely uh, mentored his game. But as I said, CJ McCollum as well. Um, came from a, a low school in Lehigh and kind of just surprised everyone the way he's been playing. And he's done great to you know keep himself in shape and kind of showcase that he's a superstar in the league. Absolutely. Was there any Australian players you looked up to growing up? Growing up in Australia? Nah, not really. I mean, I do communicate back and forth with Shane Hill a little bit um, mm. to kind of give me some advice, but yeah. other than that, not really. Yeah, fair enough. Shane Hill was one of the guys I looked up to and hopefully um, coming up in the podcast too. But um, as I mentioned, you did play for Australia, junior level, um, but you mentioned your dad and his background. So where do you, where's your, um, where's your identity, I guess, or where's your passion lie? Is it for Australia or when you get to that next level of hopefully... Um, international basketball at a senior level. Um, would it be Australia or maybe Serbia? Uh, no, it's still going to be Australia because FIBA has all these rules that if you represent Australia to, at the junior level, you can't represent any other country moving forward. So all right. if I do represent anyone, it'll be Australia uh, if I do get the chance. But obviously, you know, Serbia is close to home and so is Canada because that's where I was born. So mm. kind of a bit of a trilingual situation, but I, cl- I hold everything close to heart. Absolutely, mate. Let's go into the Kings. Um, obviously, signed with them at the beginning of this season. And, uh, yeah, again, as I said, had a great season so far. It's been pretty horrendous for the Kings. There's been a lot of injuries, um, including yourself now. Um, but still fighting and, and doing so well, I reckon, to be where you guys are at. So, obviously, hopefully, some of those guys will come back soon. If you can share a bit about where you think they're at in terms of Angus Glover and Xavier Cooks coming back. But um, there's a bit of confidence around the place that, you're at this level, even though you've had the injuries that you've had, and what's the next steps for you guys to take it to another level? Yeah, I think both of them um, are about a month away. You've probably seen them sometime in May. It's kind of getting those games in. I mean, they'll be on limited minutes, but they'll be able to come in and showcase what they have, and obviously Jarrell and Casper are still around, and unfortunately, we lost Diddy Lozada to the NBA, but a huge congrats to him, so shout out to Diddy. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll be all right. Um, we're still fighting it through, as you said, adversity. Um, as long as we injured guys are there supporting the guys, they know that we still care and kind of know that, 
you know, our team can do great things even when they do come back. So I see the potential of my team still making the top four and potentially, you know, making a little finals run too. So I'm going to be there uh, supporting them no matter what. Absolutely. And is there any talk around new players coming in or uh, to replace those at the moment, particularly Diddy, who's moved on? So um, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> NBL season's kind of being out of whack a little bit. You know, yeah. Players coming in, players going out, players changing teams midway through the season. So... Mm. Mm. Nothing that I've heard of. Um, I'll definitely find out when you find out either on Twitter <laughs> or whoever releases it first. So. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned Diddy there, signed with the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, it's not a big loss, but also for him, obviously, to make that step. Um, I guess any player has aspirations of playing in the NBA, and I'm guessing you're no different. Um, I'm guessing, first and foremost, that's a goal of yours, but... Um, what have you heard from people that are close to you about taking that step and what you need to improve upon to uh, jump? Obviously, just I've always had to improve on a defensive end and kind of showcase I was more than just a, you know just a shooter. So I think I've done both um, really well this season. And, uh, yeah, I think I've definitely showcased that I'm one of the kind of stars in the league. I don't really like to call myself a star, but one of the best players in the league. And even as a rookie, I've been able to do that. But... Unfortunately, this Achilles injury has put my NBA dream off for another year. So I just mm. got to stay positive and just come back and come back healthy and showcase that uh, I can still play and be the guy I was uh, before my injury. Yeah, for sure. Um, so cool here, mate. And all the best for that goal. And around those aspirations, I guess something that I've uh, touched on with other guests is um, around goal setting. And I think for as I've spoken to other guests and other people around the sport, any, any professional athlete, uh, goal setting is so important in terms of your career and when you want to head, not just for an athlete, but I guess for people in general. So first and foremost, for me, it gives you a sense of purpose. But, you know, if you don't hit those goals, it builds resilience and you, you know, fight through that adversity. So that been part of your process, setting goals and, and sort of working towards those goals over time? Yeah, obviously the main goal is the NBA. So that's like the long-term goal. But mm-hmm. you just try to kind of set yourself goals um, each and every day and, Obviously, now it's me getting healthy. That's the number one goal. But I'm also trying to do good things off the court and obviously started my own you know, clothing brand, uh, 3J by DJ. And, uh, just kind of see if that can get going and obviously try to run a school holiday camp when I can walk and kind of just be with the kids and kind of inspire the next generation coming up and give them my uh, experience and some advice regarding that. So those are little goals I set for myself. But number one right now is try to get healthy um, and uh, get back on the court. Yeah, 100%, mate. In those, in those ways of goal setting, I remember you mentioned Shane Healy spoke about years ago um, when I heard him speak around hard work and discipline, which we spoke about, that he would say you probably got about two, 300 shots up at least a day in order to improve his shot and get better at it. So uh, for the younger listeners or people watching, I guess, the up-and-coming players, that's sort of the level you've got to get at in terms of your hard work and your work ethic. So... Um, for you growing up, um, obviously that's been part of your game. Um, what instilled in you that sense of, um, I guess, hard work and, and work ethic to get to where you are today? I mean, yeah, I, I was kind of the same as Shane Hill. My goal was, you know, make 500 shots a day um, yeah. outside of training. So um, whatever session I had, I don't include that. And then I just kind of create my own shooting drills, kind of my own workouts until I made 500 a day. That ended up increasing to a thousand a day when I kind of got really serious with it, and then it ended up being I think fifteen hundred a day when I was at the institute. So, yeah. you know, being at the institute gave me more flexibility regarding school because I was only in school for about three or four hours a day. Um, yeah. So, 
had a lot of free time to kind of go and shoot, work out, and do other extra things uh, other than uh, training. Absolutely. Just touching on the Institute there, because again, a lot of the guests have come through the Institute. Um, what was that experience like being part of that system and obviously the pinnacle for young um, up-and-coming athletes in Australia? Um, yeah, what's that system like and how's it evolved over uh, your time in the sport? Um, I think it's evolved uh, a lot now, ever since um, I left. It's been, I think, four or five years now since I've left. So kind of mm. they've done a great job in bringing in the NBA Global Academy as well and mm. you know, bringing in talent from across the world to kind of train against one another. Um, but yeah, when, when I was there, I kind of formed these relationships and went against the 12 best players in the country at that time. And obviously now they're in the NBA with Xavier Cooks, um, Jack McVeigh, uh, Tanner Krebs, like, all those guys I went to, to the IS with and kind of just formed that relationship. We've kept in touch ever since then, and but I'm just glad those guys are hooping. And man, it was one hell of an experience, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Who were some of the other guys that was in your team in your morning? Uh, meal, or? No, we, we had so myself, Isaac Humphreys, Jack White, Will Magnet, Harry Froling, uh, Tom Wilson, who plays AFL now. We had mm. John Perry. Um, Tom Fullerton, who plays AFL now. Uh, obviously, I mentioned Tana. Mm. mentioned Jack McVeigh. Uh, Georgia Blagojevic, but uh, with the Cairns Titans right now. So a lot of guys have come in and out through the AS, and yeah. most of them are in the NBL now or playing AFL. <laughs> yeah, that's it. There's a few doing that. So yeah, it's good to see the programs obviously working and, and bringing these plays through and um, on to bit bigger and better careers. So. Uh, just finally, as we finish up, um, obviously this is called the More Than The Game podcast. And for, for me, I think as I've played the sport, as I've um, listened to other stories and, and talked to other people, they've learned a lot about life to take to the next part of their career uh, post-playing. I guess um, for myself, I've learned a lot about you know, hard work, discipline, and applied that to my context now and my workplace now. But um, is anything that you sort of, I guess you're still young, you've got a long way to go, but... Um, and you probably haven't thought about post-career yet, but is there anything that you've sort of taken away from your playing day so far that you feel will be helpful for you um, when you do finish playing and making that transition? Um, I mean, basketball has blessed me enough to travel the world, so kind of just to see different types of cultures and you know, the way different kind of countries play and different styles. Uh, but my takeaway would be is just the relationships you form you know, in a different country, in a different state or... You know, just when you play against other people multiple times, you just kind of form that relationship and it kind of lasts for a long time. So once basketball is done, I'm definitely going to have a lot of catch-ups with a lot of people and we'll definitely talk, um, you know, my life after basketball when I'm closer, but hopefully become a trainer and have my own facility and kind of just give back to the community, give people the opportunity to work out and just have a place to work out really without being charged a, a hefty fee or <laughs> stuff like that. So um, just give them back. Yeah, it's awesome, mate. Well, thanks for your time today, mate. It's great being to hear your story and, and some of which where you've come from, where you're going and your plans and your goals, but all the best for the recovery, mate, and um, hopefully see you on the court sometime soon. Appreciate it, mate. Thank you.